Here are the top five stocks not to buy. These are super popular stocks that we wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. The Bean Pod is presented by Dowmaker, the top crypto launchpad in the industry. Dowmaker allows people to participate in top crypto projects before they launch and generate some of the best returns you can find anywhere. They also provide growth solutions for crypto projects that are looking for funding and assistance with marketing. With their revolutionary new public strongholder offerings, everyone can get early access to top crypto projects regardless of their net worth. Dowmaker is rapidly disrupting the venture capital industry. If you're interested, head over to dowmaker.com to learn more. This episode of The Beam Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today, we're going to talk about five super popular stocks that we would never buy. You've heard of every single one of these. And to be frank, I wouldn't touch these. Yes, yeah, so they're popular stocks for a reason. Some of them are, you know, brands where you use their products every day. They're hyped up stocks on Twitter, on TikTok, whatever. There's a lot of people out there telling you to buy these stocks, but for the reasons that we're going to get into in this episode, you can see that they are terrible investments, so you need to watch this to the end. If anything, you could short them. I mean, you don't have to touch, not touch them. I just wouldn't buy them. For sure. In hopes that they're going to go up. Yeah. There's a lot of competition out there and uh, a lot of issues going on from a macroeconomic level. So let's get into it. All right, first one, let's talk about the one. It actually just went down again today after earnings. Let's talk about Uber. Right. Um, so they just had their earnings. It went down another 10%. And on the surface, for to maybe the less educated investor, you'd think Uber. Uber's everywhere. I use Uber. I use Uber Eats. They own all these companies. It's got a great future, right? But when you look under the hood, things aren't going so well there. So it IPO'd two years ago at about $40. It's basically been a flat line since then. It went up to the uh, all-time highs of 57 now it's trading 29. Well, now it's probably down to about 27, 25. What's going on there? They're losing billions of dollars every year. Uh, I, well, I know one thing that occurred, COVID, right? This really hurt Uber. And people weren't traveling to their friends' places. There was no venues that were open for people to be traveling around to. The other thing that occurred was there was this huge stink from the employees who aren't employees. They're independent contractors. But... They actually relied on this for a livelihood, right? They, I drive my Uber car. I need this to, to make money. And what ended up happening is Uber's like, well, we're not, we're not, you guys aren't our employees. We're not helping you out in any way. They're gig workers, right? But they're also being, because they had to work, they're being subjected to COVID. So there's a little bit like a, from an employee perspective or independent contractor perspective, no bueno as well. So you're looking at a company that is losing 500 million to a billion dollars per quarter per year. So they're, they're hemorrhaging cash. Even they're making, you know, they're making a decent amount of revenue. But the fact is their bottom line looks like garbage. Mm. This can only be sustainable for so long, right? Especially from a share price point of view. So they're hemorrhaging cash. They not only do they have an ethical battle, it's a legal battle as well because they're being constantly sued from these labor unions that are trying to say the gig workers should be employees. I think they won the most recent battle, 
But it's only a battle. The war is still ongoing. A new government could come into America and flip that on its head and their entire gig economy could lose merit. So by investing in that company, you're, you're exposing yourself to that legal risk, which from an investor standpoint, you never really want to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then also forward looking, you know, with what the Fed's doing, we got in- interest rates that are being hiked. We got inflation that's rising. People are going to be pinched a little bit more now. So you may not be taking that Uber to go and have those $8 beers. You know, you may not be spending money to go to sports venues and whatnot. So right. because you're getting pinched, right? Yeah. So on the flip side, one of their better performing units has been their food delivery service, Uber Eats. But when I look at that macroeconomic landscape, the competition there is thriving and out of control. So Uber enjoyed the first mover advantage, something we talk about on the show all the time. The first mover advantage, they were one of the first ones to bring that service out to people. But now look at all the apps, you know, in Canada and America, there's 10, 12 different food delivery apps. There's alcohol delivery apps. There's snack Mm. delivery apps. So I think the first move advantage there has worn off. And when you look at the combination of them losing money, legal issues, ethical issues, competition, COVID, for me, do not touch Uber. Yeah. And Lyft also reported earnings and it wasn't too too good as well. Yeah, it's the whole industry. So what happens is now that there's other big players in the space, if they report poorly, it brings the whole sector down. Uber, forget it. We out of here. Who you got next? Uh, this is a sector that I think is completely dead and I don't know if they'll ever come back and that's the cannabis sector. Ooh. So Tilray. Yeah. There's just this sector, honestly, I made some just re- a big long sigh. <laughs> from, uh, I made some re- really good money. You know, uh, that's kind of like what got me into stocks and all that. And the cannabis sector has, I've always had a soft spot for it because of the money I made off of it. However, there was a few losses as well in there. And I despise the way that the Canadian government, first of all, rolled it out. They're still treating it like it's taboo. You know, we're three to four years in now. There's no dispensaries anywhere. People are still buying their pot from the local dealer. Yep. Like, they're not going to these stores because the taxes are sky high. The federal, um, in Congress, you know, you had Schumer, Chuck Schumer or whatever saying, oh, we're going to legalize this. We're gonna le-. They haven't done absolutely shit. So... With the amount of competition in this space, I wouldn't touch Tilray with a 10-foot pole. Right. So Josh gave a pretty good um, overview of the cannabis sector as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I agree with that 100%. And now if you look into Tilray as an individual company, they IPO'd a couple of years ago at 24. It went all the way to 150 at that peak cannabis boom hype. Now it's at $5, right? This is a hype-based stock. When you look under the hood and see what they're doing, they're $450 million in debt. They're losing 50 to $100 million in cash every quarter, every year with $150 million in revenue. That's not a lot. No. Their growth in their revenue is um, they're relying on international expansion, which is going to be difficult given different legislation and then domestic competition. Plus supply chain issues. Currently, they've been buoyed up a little bit while their their profitability and stuff like that has been buoyed up by their um, merger with Afria because they're enjoying cost energies. So it's brought some of their costs down, but that only lasts so long. So you have a struggling company in a struggling sector. I wouldn't touch this one. The, the only thing I would have to mention is if positive news about cannabis does come around, Tilray is always one of the names that moves. It's because people know it. It's one of the few NASDAQ listed cannabis stocks, not like the American MSOS ones, right? That are OTC. So people on Robinhood just jump on Tilray. So if anything, go for a hype-based rumor swing trade, but do not long-term hold. Do not diamond hand Tilray or you will get burnt. You're going to get burned because of the dilution. These guys have increased their share count by 51%. 
garbage. They're just constantly diluting. They're burning cash at the same rate as a year ago. So they haven't they haven't even proved that. They made an alliance with Hexo, another absolute trash <laughs> cannabis company, and they spent a quarter of a billion dollars on them just to partner, not even acquire them. Like yeah, I the, like it. The decision making of Tilray like and the and just that whole cannabis sector. I'm staying far, far away from that. Throw it in the trash. All right. Next one, we have Spotify, which, you know, on the surface, I think it's maybe, it's probably a little bit better than the first two. Um, Spotify IPO'd in 2018. It had a nice run up from 157 to 310. Now it's trading at all-time lows around $100. So if you look under the hood on Spotify, I mean, you know, I use Spotify every day. You use it. It's a great platform. It's Mm. awesome. That's why, you know, when we talked about at the start of the show, if you don't really, if you're not an educated investor, you'd think, oh, Spotify. Yeah. I use Spotify, Uber every day. I'll buy the stock. So a lot of people say buy the stocks that you use, right? Yeah. But if you look at the company, I mean, yes, they are still growing by double digits annually. Streaming as a whole has a massive tailwind as a sector. But for me, I look at the competition. They're competing against Amazon, Google, and Apple, who have a whole lot more cash than Spotify does. Increased competition means decreased margins every year. And when you're looking at decreased margins and you're battling against these titans who are much larger and stronger and bigger than you, long-term, I mean... We'll go back to the thing we always say, first mover, right? Spotify was kind of the first mover in this sector, but how long can that last? The other thing too is you only have so much time in your day, you know? So you also have to look to other apps that are now stealing their time as well. <clears throat> TikTok, for example. There's a percentage of people who are age 16 to 24. They spend 80 minutes a day on TikTok every day. That's a lot of fucking time. That's an hour and a half per day. Damn. That's time that's being taken away from listening to music so they are and tiktok is growing at insane rate right now so they're losing a a portion of the population that spotify says is very important to their business and because they're losing that crowd that 16 to 24 year old crowd that is also being built into the future of spotify's earnings and that's why i wouldn't be touching it right now for me when i look at a tech company that i want to invest in i want something with a moat and a moat is something that is innovative and disruptive and very hard to attack. You know, either they have a very uh, innovative algorithm or a proprietary technology that no one can steal or can it'll take them 10 years to figure it out. At the moment, I don't see Spotify with that. They had that at the start, but now everyone's figuring things out and everyone has their own algorithm. There's the Amazon streaming, there's YouTube music, yeah. there's Apple music. And what Spotify is doing now to try to stay afloat is they're acquiring all these big time content creators like Joe Rogan to do exclusive content. And they're doing a really good job of bringing these top podcasting people. Like if Spotify wants to sign us, that's cool, I'll go. <laughs> but again, they're dishing out money and that only lasts so long because their competition has more money more money than them. And Spotify as a platform for me is not disruptive or innovative enough anymore for me to buy the stock. Yeah, and that they spent all that money on, on Joe Rogan and then they, I think they had to boot him off the platform because there is the mRNA uh, misinformation. Right. Uh, side of things which then led to uh people leaving the content creators leaving the platform uh neil young left janice joplin a few others have left the platform and then you got to look to web3 and crypto that's right um this is an emerging sector this is where people are the smartest minds in the world are going into this new space so you can look to something like audius you know look at it from the content creator, the people who are making the music. I got some friends uh, who are in the music business. They're Crooked Colors, a uh, very popular band in Australia, and they're making a lot of headwind over here. They still have to work other jobs, and they're getting millions upon millions of plays on Spotify. They're barely seeing anything from it. 
So there's other platforms now that are going to begin rewarding the content creators for their music. Yeah, so when you look at it from a longevity point of view, their economic model is not rewarding the content creators enough as it should be. So it's an ethical thing. Musicians aren't being properly rewarded for their content. And again, I just don't think that can last forever. I think going back to disruption, I think now Spotify is getting disrupted by these new platforms like Audius and stuff like that. So for me, that's a pass. Uh, there's also this, which I found interesting too. It's called Rezo. It's TikTok's um, sister app okay. by ByteDance. It's a social music streaming app. So they're building, they're using anything TikTok, you got to kind of take note of. For sure. Because they're really disruptive. So when you're, they're taking this, the music game and turning it into a social game. So you're like, you're, you're encouraged to share lyrics and songs and comment and, and you're, you know what I mean? It's different. What's and it, it called? It's called uh, R-E-S-S-O, Reso. All right. And it's launched in India, which with a billion uh, person population. Interesting. So, one to keep an eye on that's also taking a little bit of market share from Spotify. I like it. Next one I want to talk about is PayPal. Okay. So we have the OG in the digital payments industry. If you listen to this podcast, if you're in the Discord, you know we're always talking about digital payments, crypto. PayPal is probably the largest digital platform that's providing money transfer services in the world. They're currently trading at their lowest valuation as a public company. And I think it's for good. People would say buy the dip. I think it's for good reason when you look under the hood, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, from what I found is the account additions to the platform is decelerating, which means they're not attracting new customers. That's a big problem. You want re reoccurring customers. You want new people coming onto the platform. How are they going to be generating money if they're not having new people on the platform? They're the old heads, right? So they had, again, first mover advantage. We talk, All these things we're talking about is first movers, a lot of them. They were the first movers in the digital payment industry. They integrated with all the websites. You know, you check out at any of your, any website. Most likely PayPal is an option. PayPal is a terrible platform. The user experience, the support is non-existent. As I've owned several businesses myself, always use PayPal. If there's a problem, forget it. Yeah. Five days to hear back from them. Oh, sir, we can't do it. It's just, it's a joke. So one of the things PayPal tried to do recently is they acquired Venmo to, you know, it's, it's, it's for younger people, quick, quick transfers of cash but they're competing against Cash App from Square. And if you look at the charts, Venmo was the first mover and it grabbed all the market share. And then Cash App was launched a few years later and it's just gone vertical. And now it's way more popular right. than Venmo. It's a better product with a better vision and a better founder, Jack Dorsey with Square, Block. Huh. So if you look at a company that Josh said their, their, their growth is declining significantly, they have a terrible platform, their earnings is showing decreasing revenue yeah revenue glow. they so management lowered the revenue guidance from 18 to 15 percent not good when they're lowering guidance um something we need to look at as well is the pandemic accelerated accelerated growth with online payments you know people weren't really out doing stuff but now that everything's easing there's less online payments that are occurring plus we need to start looking to web3 you know metamask we have other alternatives to be transferring and sending money quicker, faster. 100%. When you look at competition in the digital payments space, talk about competitive, right? Yeah. So you have, as we just said, um, Square, which has Square, a block, which has Cash App. You have Stripe, which I use for a lot of my businesses now. It's a much easier way for checking out of websites. You have Apple Pay, right? Apple Pay is being integrated into almost everything now. And then you have crypto. Dogecoin. Exactly, right? XLM. It's everything. So the competition is coming for PayPal. 
for me, I would sell PayPal. I would buy Square. I would buy Block because I believe in Jack Dorsey and the founder. They have Cash App, which is penetrating the market like crazy. They're a bit more integrated with crypto than PayPal is. So for me, I'm throwing PayPal into the trash. I'm buying Square. All right. Let's move on to the last one here. What do you got? What's the last one? This is a motor vehicle company. And I think this is just way too overhyped for the amount of sales that they have. And that's Lucid. An ex-SPAC, right? This, yeah. this was one of the SPAC darlings that we we, play, we played the SPAC pretty good back in February, February 2021, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Lucid Motors. So <laughs> these guys have a market cap of half of that of Ford and General Motors. What the fuck? That's a joke. They, are, they have revenue of 26 million. They haven't done shit. They sold, I think they sold like 500 cars last year or something like that. Something, some ridiculous number. So they have 20 million revenue, but they're spending $500 million a quarter because right now they're, you know, R&D, building the cars. They went public in SPAC at $10. It went to 52. It's down to 19. And, you know, I'm the Jolly Green investor. I love green. I love investing in green, sustainable technology. And this is an electric vehicle company. So at the end of the day, if the electric vehicle sector comes hot again, Lucid will probably see a boom. But when you're looking long, long term, who's going to win out this market? I don't think it's going to be any of these independent small EV companies. I'm looking at BMW, Mercedes, Tesla. Yeah. These are the companies that are now diving into EVs. They've got the R&D, the money behind it. They have the existing customers. For Lucid, it's going to take a hell of a lot to get, to get into that. Man, Lucid is a startup at one of the most impossible times ever. Yeah, people are not going to be buying high-end luxury vehicles when interest rates are through the roof, uh, inflation skyrocketing. You know, there's General Motors, Ford, uh, BMW, t- even Tesla. Like they make affordable. They have purchasing power. They have you know, Tesla has to. Okay, let's let's even get into the supply aspect of things. That's right. Supply. So, so to build one of these vehicles, <clears throat> they need 250 different parts from 3,000 different suppliers. <laughs> Where are they going to get all this from when nobody's working? Uh, there's supply chain shortages. There's computer ship sh- shortages. There's the price of batteries. There's all these things. Tesla has to build its own gigafactory to produce it for itself, but they already have money coming in. Lucid is burning through a billion dollars in cash per year. They only have $6 billion on hand. So if they're only selling 500 units at $26 million, where's the money coming from? Yeah, I think that's a great point. The The supply shortage, the supply crisis, the rising price of everything you need to build a car. And at the end of the day, when there's a shortage in these chips or these car parts or panels, whatever it is, the, the companies that are getting the preferred deals are the ones that have had those deals for 50 years. You know, your, your Audi, your BMW, your Toyota, they're going to get those parts probably bigger and cheaper and better than Lucid's going to get them. So I think they've Unfortunately, I think, as you mentioned, they've kind of started it up at the worst time possible. Um, if, they, if they would have started this up 15 years ago, then I would say they probably have a, a swinging chance. But given all the headwinds of the world right now with the incoming recession, rising price of supply. Oh, competition. Competition. I just don't know if they have enough cash on hand to even think about succeeding. So I wouldn't be touching Lucid at all. The only thing I would say again, swing trade. If the EV sector gets hot, Lucid could go up, but short the shit out of it at the top. Yeah, I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-foot ball. Yeah, I mean, look, there's uh, these, these five companies, you've probably heard of them, but for the reasons that we say, I am out. And if you tuned into our, our crypto do not buy list, so far, two of the five we've fucking nailed. Yeah, two out of the five. We did uh, five cryptos not to buy, just like this, but for crypto, two of them have absolutely tanked since that episode. Axie Infinity had a 
nearly a six hundred and fifty yeah, million dollar hack, hack, and then Chronos Crypto.com, Crypto.com yeah. uh, rug pulled their customers yeah. by re- removing what the cashback the aspect cashback of their Visa card. cards. Yeah. So, so watch out for what happens with these five stocks. We'll keep you updated in the Discord as always. Make sure you guys subscribe and hit the like button and tune into the next episode. That one is going to be a banger. views expressed by speakers on the bean pod are solely their opinions you should not treat any opinion expressed on the bean pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy but only as an expression of their opinion this podcast is for informational purposes only